WYY Casper, a Town Square media station. Hooking and hunting outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Yee-haw! Okay, okay. Holy cow! May I have your attention, please? Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsey. Ah, uh, this is Craig Morgan. And you're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5. Here we are back again, another week, another show. And Janet, you know, over the last year, we have had Matt Hahn with us a lot because fishing is a very important part of our, our area. And Eric Hansen has been on a couple of times uh, because not a lot of people like to hear what Eric has to say because it ends up being a bad thing for, for all the fishing and everything. But because of the aquatic invasive species, we have to have Eric on time to time to you know make sure people are aware. That's exactly right. And you know, we've been talking about the importance of drain clean dry for the past year and really been encouraging everybody to to make sure that you're following that protocol, to make sure that you're getting your boats inspected, to know when you have been on infected or infested waters, to make sure that you're following the rules when you come back to Wyoming. And now more than ever. We are in a situation that's pretty scary for Wyoming. Eric, what is the the recent uh, message that has been passed along from our friends in South Dakota? That was the Pactola Reservoir came up uh, infested for zebra mussels. So we have different levels of, you know, positive waters or suspect waters. But when a water is deemed infested, that's when they're finding reproducing uh, adult mussels. So... That was a, a big, crazy blow to get, um, especially in western South Dakota. You know, these have been present in eastern South Dakota for a while, and we've been watching that that movement track across. But to have a water that close to Wyoming and that a lot of boaters use coming back and forth from South Dakota and Wyoming is, is really cause for concern. You had mentioned you've seen the progression from east side of South Dakota to, to west side. Do you have any idea of how that progression is happening? Is it a natural process or is it someone moving right along and carrying it with them? Um, a lot of it is the, the boat traffic is they get moved around. Um, if if inspections aren't taking place and boaters aren't being cautious about what water they're moving, even within their own state, uh, that's a lot of how this happens. When we talk about the AIS inspection, you, you get the sticker and you're good. What is included in an AIS inspection and what do people need to prepare, be prepared for when they stop to get their inspection? Yeah, so actually the inspection process is fairly quick and painless, um, especially if boaters follow those clean, drain, dry uh, reminders that we like to give them. You know, the, the less water or things that we encounter in our inspections is just going to speed the process up. I will say, however, you know, that we have this threat now this close that boaters boating in South Dakota, uh, especially in the last month, if they've been in that water, you know, can prepare for a little bit longer inspection because we'll be making sure that motor is cleaned out and that they're good to go and launch in Wyoming before they do. 
but if everything's dry and ready to go when they show up to the inspection station, it's a pretty quick uh, two, three minute process to get them on the road again. So in a situation like this, Matt will bring you in now. If this were to come across the border into Wyoming, how would that affect the fishing here? Well, it could certainly have some pretty big negative uh, connotations for everything from invertebrate production to fish growth, um, fish densities in our lakes and everything like that. A lot of it will depend on how productive the body of water is to begin with, but being that we're a fairly high elevation headwater state, most of our reservoirs are not very productive. It just don't have a lot of excess nutrients to go around. So when these things get established, they tie up a lot of the nutrients, the primary production in a in a water gets turned into zebra mussels, not walleye. It could have a definitely have a negative impact on on the fishery, and uh, of course, you know the infrastructure concerns are are huge as well. If someone comes to a checkpoint and you're looking over their boat and you notice that there's a possibility of AIS present, what happens at this stage? Do you just say, nope, you got to go home? Is the boat seized? Is it sold? Is it stolen? What what happens there? What we do is we uh, perform what we call decontaminations of the craft. Uh, like if we get a lot of questions, you know, if there's bleach in the water or any chemical treatments, um, we actually just use hot water. So we heat that water up to between 120, 140 degrees. Uh, that's been scientifically proven to uh, neutralize those viable muscles and essentially boil them out that way. You know, you ask if it's going to hold up the boat for long. Every situation is different. Uh, a lot of these that we'll be seeing are, you know, doing what are called motor flushes. It's essentially hooking up your boat to the muffs the same way you would in your yard to, you know, dewinterize or do anything like that. Uh, we run that water through for a couple minutes. It's generally a pretty fast process. Uh, we do have occasions where there's boats that come through with live mussels on them or it's a large complex watercraft with attached AIS that's going to take a while to clean. And at that point, um, those boats are quarantined for upwards of 30 days and we work with the boat owner to get it clean and get it back to them as quick as we can. And I have heard from a lot of people that it kind of bothers them that they have to go get this done, but really it shouldn't bother them. It's, it's for a good cause to make sure that uh, not just the fishing and waterways, but drinking water and electricity and everything is affected by all this. Absolutely. And it will be interesting to watch what happens at Pactola. Um, although I'm not positive, I do believe that that is some of the water source for Rapid City. So this will be kind of an interesting experiment to kick back and watch how how it really does affect some of the waters that are locally near us. Well, I definitely want to keep uh, abreast of the situation. And so, Eric, we need to have you back every little bit to, to keep up to date. And I know that it, it kind of probably ruins a lot of people's fall plans to head over there. So, Oh, absolutely. Yes, this is something that's definitely going to change and evolve. And, you know, keeping everybody up to date on things as it happens is super important. All right. Thank you again for all the information. Eric, Matt, Janet, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Drew. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. My Country 95.5. Welcome back. It's Drew and Brian, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And we're well into August now. That means the first archery seasons are opening very soon. I mean, the elk hunting is about to start. You can feel it in the air. 
Oh yeah, we've got to, we're selling a lot of bows. We're doing a lot of tune-ups on bows. Guys are ordering strings. We're just, uh, people are trying to get dialed in and, and make sure that they're ready for the season. You know, over the, the last couple of years, you know, the bow hunting, I think, has really made a huge uh, surge. Uh, a lot of the TV hunting shows, they, they are more archery than they are firearms anymore. And I, I think it's really picked up the, the challenge. People like that extra challenge when it comes to archery hunting. And uh, some of the name brands are Matthews and Hoyt, and you guys carry both of those. Yeah, we carry Matthews, Hoyt. We carry Bear Archery. Um, the Matthews and the and the Hoyt for the premier bows for sure have, have uh, definitely been our, our our number one and number two. Uh, when it comes to, to crossbows, that's that's another uh, option that I think has really started surging, especially with the guys that maybe in the '80s and early '90s were the out hunting crossbow or a bow and arrow all every time, <laughs> right? And then now they're like, oh, my shoulder hurts, my back hurts, can't do it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of guys that, uh, you know, maybe have had a shoulder injury or just, you know, they just don't have the strength to pull back that 70 or 80-pound bow, bow that they might have been pulling. And uh, the crossbows, the technology has just been phenomenal. And uh, you basically with the, with the crossbows that are out there, I mean, we carry Raven and we carry some Centerpoint, uh, a few other brands here and there, but the Raven is by far uh, the, the number one for most people at this point and obviously if you're going to do archery whether it be crossbow or, or compound i mean you need to practice and make sure that you've got it set up exactly for you you don't want to get out there and have it too much of a, a pull weight or anything like that yeah i mean it obviously it's it's just like any other hunting you know to be fair to the animal and fair chase i mean you want to make sure that uh, you're, you're taking good shots and you know what your ability is and you know whether it's a a 40 yard shot with a, a bow or if it's a 300 yard shot with a rifle you I mean you should you should practice those shots and make sure ethically that that uh, those are shots that you should be taking and of course if you have uh, a bow that you just bought brand new or maybe you have an older one you need to get it tuned up rocky mountain discounts supposed to do that too yeah we'll certainly help people we, we're putting on a lot of uh, rests and stuff for people um you know fit, putting in new peep sites new d loops uh strings or i mean this now is the time to get uh, your bow strings ordered if you don't have a spare uh bow string in your bag uh, you probably want to get one ordered just because just like everything else, uh, supply chain is, is still pretty rough. And uh, we're anywhere from three to six weeks on bowstrings right now. Uh, of course, uh, there's always new lines of camo patterns coming in. And you want to make sure you're camoed up good for where you're hunting because obviously that's a big advantage for you. Yeah, and we've got, we just got in a, our, our shipment of uh, King's Camo, and they've really got some great pieces this year, some good camo options, and uh, the clothing is just, it, it, it's one of my favorites right now. Uh, a good set of camo clothing, good boots, good socks, uh, and a bow. That's, that's all you need. Man, keep the, keep the hunt enjoyable and, and uh, be ready for all the conditions that you might experience. If you're thinking about archery hunting, why not stop in and see them right here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Get yourself set up before the season gets here, and you know, you'll be ready to go. There you go. We'll help you out. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. Boy, we are having a good time today, and our next guest is Big Grizz. Fish Nuts Outfitters, where, uh, man, how's it been going this year? Things have been uh, a little slow, a little slow start, but we were able to catch some fish as the year progressed and water temperatures warmed up, but uh, things are looking good. We're coming into the dog days, as you know. Things are hot. 
weather's hot. Nobody wants to be out there sitting in the boat in 90-degree weather. But uh, there's opportunities for the guys who may want to fish early in the morning or late in the afternoon uh, as that sun's going down or coming up, vice versa. But, yeah, fishing's fishing. If you get out there, you can catch them if you put in a little bit of time. So so you and I were chatting a little bit earlier where uh, the trout, how they get stressed when this heat comes in. Is the same thing with, like, kokanee and, and walleye at that point? Absolutely. I mean, w- warm temperatures, these fish are more lethargic anyway. They mm-hmm. aren't uh, They aren't expending a lot of energy to, to hang out for the day and, and whatnot. They're, they're really focusing on using what energy they do have to, to be resourceful and eat for the day. You know, one thing that we talk a lot about here, trout fishing and walleye fishing, uh, but you kind of specialize in kokanee fishing as well. And we're lucky in this area because we're one of the few areas in the state where you can catch kokanee. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, kokanee fishing is is been developed on the on the west coast uh it was a, a, a subsidy for the salmon runs that only happen certain times of the year so they created a essentially a freshwater landlocked version of a salmon as these fish have gotten more popular more people are getting into it they do really good in cold water uh in you know lake fisheries instead of warm water stuff so we have great opportunity here in pathfinder with a constant flow of water when we have snow melt and alcova which is also the same way uh there's kokanee up in dismet but as i said for the state of wyoming they they really came from the flaming gorge area which has got a big body of water got good depth got good food source um and so to have it close to us here is is fantastic and it if you like to eat fish which if you knew how big i was i like to eat a lot of anything um it, it it's a great fish to to smoke we've smoked them uh, on a on a Traeger smoker, which you can pick up over at Rocky Mountain, um, and you can smoke those fish. We like to put them in with some cream cheese and make a nice cracker spread out of them. Or if you're just a traditional guy, we smother them in butter and some garlic herb seasoning, throw them on the grill and cook them that way. is fantastic. So. When you're out trying to catch those kokanee, is it frustrating? Because, you know, everybody around here is geared toward the, the trout or the walleye, so maybe they're not as schooled on, on the kokanee. Sure, and it, it could be a frustrating fish to try to catch. One of the important things, and I think we learn as kids is fishing, is patience. Uh, and having the right tools for the job is going to help you be successful. One of the things I try to do every year is a seminar over at Rocky Mountain. We're trying to do another one up at Sportsman's as well so we can get some of these other people involved into the industry. But you're more than welcome to come check out one of our seminars that I put on in the spring. We'll teach you the tips and tricks of the trade. I to help you be more successful, we'll send you home with some papers and, and whatnot that you can go over, little maps and things that'll help you catch those fish. The the process of catching the kokanee and you know a, a bonus trout, is it about the same as fishing for trout or is it a little different? I would say it's a little bit different. Um, for the most part, as me who grew up in the west coast of Washington, we grew up pulling what we call Ford fenders or pop gear, as they would say. Big, heavy flashy uh, line of, of flashers and you're dragging that thing on lead core at a fairly decent speed with kokanee i fish right around one and a half miles an hour i use a very small four and a half inch sling blade or a dodger and a very small what we call a hoochie or a squid behind that within eight to ten inches of that dodger the key to it is making sure you're down there around the thermal climb uh, which if you have a good fish finder, you can turn up the gain and find that thermal climb. And those fish are going to hang out down below it because they come up into it to eat that phytoplankton and zooplankton throughout the day. But if you got shoe peg corn, Berkeley gulp maggots, 
a squid or a spinner of some sort and a small dodger and you can get down there, you're going to have pretty good chance of catching some kokanee. And the cool part is you can fill your bag with some trout and, and, uh, and other species in there to, to help get you there. So, so when we were talking earlier, you said that sweet spot is like 52 degrees and that's basically where they're going to hang out. For the most part. I mean, you might catch them, you know, early in the morning, you might catch them up above that just because we don't have that light penetration, moving those fish down a little bit deeper. We don't have the recreational guys making a bunch of noise. Um, But for the most part, the scientific theory is 52 degrees. Fantastic. Well, Grizz, hang tight. We're going to get more kokanee talk in just minutes on Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors on My Country 95.5. We're with Big Grizz from Fish Nuts Outfitters. Go find them all over Facebook. We're talking kokanee fishing today, something that we haven't really talked much about on this program. But Grizz, what's the difference? Uh, this is about the time that you start winding down normally of kokanee, uh, but you can catch trout here all year long. What's what's the difference between the two species for one to kind of settle down this time of year. So the cool part is, is you can catch kokanee all year round. A lot of guys catch them through the ice if you put in the effort to do that. The thing with kokanee is they have a four-year life cycle. So from fry until when they spawn, it takes them approximately four years. You may have some that that are going to go on a three-year. Some may wait maybe uh, to a five-year. But these Sheep Creek strains, the ones that come out of the gorge, which is where they get these fry for our reservoirs, typically spawn on a four-year life cycle. So as fall comes in, they turn into their 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 kind of, it's time to go do the fish thing. I got to go make some more babies so we don't have to keep going through a hatchery, which is fantastic. So it makes them a little bit tougher because they not only do they not eat during the regular season because they, they, they're, I mean, they eat, I guess, as I would say, but they aren't aggressively eating a worm or a night crawler. They're hitting these Dodgers and Hoochies because they're, they want to get them out of their, their area. They think it's competing for their food. So as they come into spawn, they, their metabolism slows down. They're real cartilagey fish in the head area. So they grow giant hook jaws. Their heads get real dis disformed. They change to, to brilliant colors, as I showed you a little bit earlier. Um, and they, they really don't eat. And they slide in because they got one thing in mind. And, and that's all they really focus on. And, and you can start to catch them. But it, for the most part, they're, they're going in there to go make some more babies and, and pass away for the next cycle of fish to come through the system. So. Which... So you um, will probably be out on the water at some sort over the next, you know, six or eight weeks. And uh, you'd love to take other people out. And that's one of the things that you told me earlier you love to do. And uh, you love to share the gift of fishing with people. Uh, if, If people are looking for someone to help them, how can they get a hold of you? More than welcome to shoot me a message. You can check us out at Fishnets Outfitters on Facebook. My personal page is linked to that. Um, if you can't get a hold of me through there on Messenger, you can stop into either Rocky Mountain Discount Sports or Sportsman's. Uh, pick up one of my business cards there. Uh, Sloan's has got some of my cards as well. Those those companies are are great at, at being affiliated with me and helping me 
uh, help people. So uh, if you can't get a hold of us at Fish Nest Outfitters on Facebook, stop in, grab a business card, shoot me a text or a call, and I'll do my best when I have an opportunity to uh, return calls and answer any questions you might have to be successful out there. Man, we appreciate it. And uh, got to have me. you back in here in a couple of weeks just to Absolutely. shoot the breeze. Yeah, and it's uh, coming up on hunting season too, so we're – it's going to be time to start putting down some animals and feeding the family. So we're excited. We appreciate the community and the support here, and I'm happy to share that passion with you guys. You're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Hey there, it's Drew. Of course, you can go to our app and listen to all of our episodes. And if you go back a few months, you'll find an episode with Dustin Fry, who... Uh, was a contestant on the uh, web series Hunt Wars, and Dustin is back with us to kind of recap how it went last year. And Dustin, uh, after watching the episodes, I mean, it, it it wasn't as easy as people think to go to New Mexico and elk hunt. Yeah, no, definitely. It was a, a challenge in itself, you know. Added a little competition to it, so it put a little pressure on it. That was always fun. Now, it was... a. a- kind of a cool deal you were uh you were hunting with cassidy real who's from powell also uh you guys been buddies for a long time yeah he's been my friend since we've been young uh grew up together and i went on the road in the oil field for a while and came back and we started hunting about six years ago again and after that you know it's just it's been every year we've just been getting more and more involved in it and uh, we love to do it that's one of our joys and being able to bring meat home to the families and now when you're on a show like hunt wars i mean obviously it's a tv show based show and there's you know the odd you got a cameraman you got cameras running around you got people directing you and kind of doing this and that and you're doing the interview things and it's a lot different than just going out and doing some elk hunting isn't it yeah they made it as natural as possible, and those guys do a really good job there at Hunt Wars. They're uh, really awesome at that part, and we only did have one camera guy around us during the hunt, which really helped because we got to kind of learn each other and got in a groove there for the first couple of days, and um, there was no pressure on, hey, do this, do that. You know, things just happen naturally, and they know that. That's one of the big things they push during the show. Hanging out in camp, you were with another team from uh, southern Wyoming. There was an Idaho team and there was an Arizona team. Uh, How was it kind of hanging out and being able to talk with those guys after your day of hunt? I think it added a very cool content to it. You know, everybody kind of got to come around at the end of the day. And, you know, the first couple days, everybody was real secret and Kind of like, oh, don't tell, you know, don't give any information out. We don't want to give an edge to the other teams, but. Yeah, and, and probably a little more comfort. So when you showed up, I mean, the very first couple of episodes, there's seven episodes. Five of them are the um, the elk hunt, which you're in, you're involved with. But when everybody shows up on camera for the first time, I mean, it's like you guys knew each other and, and everybody got along, you know, and, and that was kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, even a better experience for us, you know, because at first we were a little nervous and we were kind of thinking, you know, what we were getting into. But then when you really get down to the nitty gritty, you're, it was pretty comfortable and we, we fit right in and we went to hunt right away and 
They had a lot of good footage that uh, we ended up having technical difficulties with our mic the first three days of the hunt. So the first couple episodes, you don't see a whole lot of me and Cassidy due to that fact. But they uh, got it fixed, and we had some really good footage after that. When you're in there and you have that camera, does that put extra pressure on you? I mean, you guys had the technical difficulties. Did that fluster you a little bit when when things kind of went south? Uh, it definitely added a different dynamic to the deal. I noticed him on my shoulder, but Wes at Rise and Shed was our camera guy, and he's a phenomenal camera man, and all of them were. But it definitely did add that to it. You know, I did, I made mistakes and things that I normally wouldn't have done, you know, hunting normally at home. Do you feel that this year when you hunt, you know, a normal hunt here in Wyoming that you have learned some things from this experience? Yes, sir. Uh, we, we learned a lot, you know. Uh, we're pretty lucky where we live, and we're very successful where we live. So going to a new place and knowing that we are not, you know, invincible kind of helped open our eyes to, you know, give us that little bit more push. That's awesome. Hunt Wars, it's Hunt and wars with a Z dot com. You can get over and watch all of the episodes where uh, Dustin and Cassidy show off northern Wyoming skills. So I, I don't want to give the end result out, but I want to know. I want to know <laughs> like how it was to be in that final minute when they're like, "Okay, we're about to name the winner of this this season's hunt wars." And look at all these great prizes and good things you're going to get. I mean, are you just in knots at that time? The whole show, you're in kind of knots trying to push it. And all the sponsors already had uh, produced a lot of good stuff for us through the show. Sitting there at the end waiting for the result was pretty cool to see the other bulls come out and kind of see what happened i'll tell you that if you go to the my country 95.5 app we're going to give you links to uh, hunt wars so you can sit and watch it i'm telling you 35 and 45 minute long uh, segments so it really uh, won't take much time out of your day to watch an episode no they're uh pretty short videos they're really cool the way they edit you know adding the dynamic of competition to it's always really cool and yeah and and they are really well put together episodes and one more question dustin this one's the 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 toughest one if you could do it again would you oh yes in a heartbeat (laughs) i mean that's a tough tough question but at the same time i would be down there you know they give me the phone call i would be on my way and and at, at HuntWars.com, I see that they're uh, taking applications for people to be in season four. So if it's something that uh, maybe you want to do, get over and check it out at HuntWars.com.